Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Good afternoon, family. Good afternoon. It is wonderful to see you all this afternoon. First, giving all glory to God our Father, to Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, and to the Holy Spirit who is our strength, our comforter, and our guide. Certainly to the set man, the angel of this house, the Bishop of Eau Claire. My, our pastor and my friend, Jerrion Wilson, I thank you for this opportunity. Certainly to my beautiful wife, who goes with me everywhere I go, thank you. Y'all, it's a joy to be here with you all. It's a joy to share with you what thus says the Lord. And we are continuing in our series this afternoon in Nehemiah, rebuilding a church to rebuild the city. Now, family, I, I need y'all to pray for me today because I got a lot of ground to cover in a short amount of time. Wayne, I'm going to attempt to do something that they teach you in preaching class not to do. I'm basically trying to preach three chapters, three mini sermons in one sermon. So, you know, this, this is going to be the most ambitious sermon preacher in the history of City of Refuge. <laughs> so today, what we're going to see is Nehemiah and the people will finally complete the wall. After years of labor, the walls of Jerusalem will be rebuilt. But before we get to that, there's a few problems and a few protagonists that we got to deal with. So the text, I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 7, and then we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. So Nehemiah chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 3. And it says there, When the wall had been rebuilt, and I had the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. Then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem, along with Hananiah, commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, do not open the gates of Jerusalem until the sun is hot, and let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty. Station the citizens of, citizens of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some at their homes. And if I had to tag this sermon with a title, I would, I would say the title for today would be Report for Duty. 
report for duty. So, like I said, we got to backtrack a little bit. So, we're going to begin in chapter 5. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to tell y'all what happened. Y'all go read it later and tell me if I got it wrong. <laughs> so, in the midst of rebuilding the wall, the people come to Nehemiah and say, Nehemiah, we got a problem. We have a problem with exploitation. They tell Nehemiah that they and their children need grain to eat. And they tell him that in order to get grain, that they've been selling their fields, their homes, their vineyards, in order to get the things they need to feed their families during this famine. They also tell Nehemiah that they have been borrowing money from their countrymen to pay the king's taxes, but then they're hiring out their children as slaves to pay off their debts. And they have nothing to bargain with because the same countrymen that they're borrowing from are the same ones that they've sold their homes, fields, and vineyards to. So Nehemiah has a problem of exploitation on his hands. And I, I just gotta tell y'all that ne Nehemiah is not the only one who's got a problem of exploitation on his hands. We got some problems on our hands, y'all, because we're in a community that is effectively in a food desert. That's a problem. We're in a community that's being bought up by rich folk who are making it cool and pushing out the people who've been here for generations. That's a problem. We're in a community that's been overlooked and underestimated, undereducated, and over criminalized, and y'all not going to talk to me, but we got problems. <laughs> but Wayne, the good news is that there's a solution to these problems. The text says that when Nehemiah hears this outcry, he became angry and seriously considered the matter. Church, a lot of times in our faith circles in our theological circles. We talk about orthodoxy, you know, right doctrine. You got to believe the right things. And we talk about orthopraxy, right practice. You got to do the right things. But family, I submit to you that we don't talk enough about orthopathy, the, the right feeling. The CSB translation says that Nehemiah became extremely angry when he heard that Jews were exploiting other Jews. Church, we cannot afford to be indifferent or turn a blind eye to the suffering around us. The suffering and exploitation of our neighbors ought to make you lament. It ought to make you mad. And I know it's easy to become desensitized, but we got to fight that urge because I got to tell y'all, it's okay for your heart to burn with righteous indignation. So now the question becomes, well, what do we do with this anger? Nehemiah says he seriously considered the matter. 
Meaning he didn't just get up and just start doing stuff. He, you know, he didn't just throw out, you know, random ideas that have no basis. No, he sat with his anger. He contemplated what had taken place and came up with a viable solution that benefits everybody. His solution, in essence, is to reestablish unity among the people. So he calls a large assembly. And at this assembly, he publicly calls out the nobles and the officials on their sins of exploitation. He accuses them of acting as debt collectors towards their brothers and sisters. He accuses them of selling their own people into slavery and tells them to their face in front of the people they've exploited that what you are doing isn't right. And Syria Refuge, I just want to encourage us that as we move forward building our church to rebuild Eau Claire, we don't have to be afraid. We can proclaim divine justice and Christ's shalom with boldness because that is what will bring unity to our community. So, so watch what happens. Nehemiah tells them that they've been doing wrong. He tells them that they should fear God. And, and y'all going to have to answer to God for how y'all treat your fellow man. And also, all this exploitation invites the reproach and the mocking of our enemies. He tells the nobles and officials to stop collecting debt payments from your own people. And I wish Sally Mae would hear that today. <laughs> he... He, 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 he tells them to return the people their homes, their fields, their vineyards, and their olive groves, uh, along with a percentage of the money, grain, new wine, and fresh oil that you've been taxing them. Basically, Nehemiah told them to cancel all debts, give them their stuff back, and add on top of it the interest, the same interest you were charging them. And the Bible says that the people responded saying, we will return these things and require nothing more from them. Chapter 5 of Nehemiah is teaching us that if we're, going to be, if we're going to rebuild, we have to be united, which means we have to deal with the issues that cause division. And the reason we must have unity is because when there's an attack, not if, but when there's an attack from the enemy, we will know that we can trust each other to stand and fight with and fight for each other. And then at the end of chapter 5, Nehemiah just throws in this biographical note about himself that, you know, as governor, he did not eat the food that was allotted to the governor because he knew that previous governors had also exploited the people. So Nehemiah not only tells the people what to do, but he leads by example. So now we move to chapter six. And the same antagonizers that we've seen throughout the story return. And this time they're trying to meet with Nehemiah alone. This entire time, they've been trying to intimidate Nehemiah and the people, but the people just kept on building. The enemies realized that they weren't going to be able to stop the wall from going up, so they want to meet with the leader. 
Nehemiah responds by saying, basically, I got work to do. I, I ain't got time to deal with y'all. I got, I got work to do. Don't make sense for me to come down to y'all while we got all this work to do. And the text also says that Nehemiah knew that they were planning to harm him. See, what the enemy figured out was just hurling insults from the outside ain't going to stop the wall. But what they realized is that if we're going to stop the people from building the wall, then we want to stop their leader, Nehemiah. But Nehemiah saw through their tricks and stayed on task. Four times, the text says, that they sent this message to Nehemiah. And four times, Nehemiah said, I'm busy, I'm working, leave me alone. <laughs> and the fifth time, Nehemiah, and they sent somebody back a fifth time. And this fifth time, the text says Nehemiah observes something about the messenger. He saw that the messenger had an open letter in his hand that said that rumors are spreading about you, Nehemiah. The, the rumors say you're starting a rebellion over there and that you and you're trying to establish yourself as king over Judah. And, and, and Nehemiah, you don't want these rumors to spread, so, so let, let's meet up and talk about it. Now, Nehemiah sees this for what it is, just another intimidation tactic, which has no basis at all, because we got to remember, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, and the king is the one who sent Nehemiah with the supplies and the people to rebuild the wall in the first place. So in this entire Persian empire, there's no one that the king trusts more than Nehemiah. And because of the king's generosity, and because Nehemiah realizes that God is using this king to rebuild the wall, he's the last person in the empire who would rebel. So Nehemiah simply says, you are creating these rumors and spreading them, but there's nothing to him. And so Nehemiah prays to the Lord for strength. While the enemies were talking to Nehemiah, Nehemiah was talking to God, and God provided for and protected the builders. And the end of chapter 6 tells us the wall was completed, and all their enemies, when they saw it, lost their confidence. So now we come to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, we now see that the real work is going to begin now. The people have been unified. The enemies have been silenced. The wall has been built. But now they have to protect that which they've built. James, I remember in my younger years playing football and basketball and other sports. My coaches and my teammates, we would talk about climbing the mountain. And I'm sure some of you other former athletes know what I mean, that, you, that, that grind to the top, that competing to win a championship, to get to the top, to be the best. That's the goal. But what you learn once you actually climb the mountain is now that everybody, now that you've made it up to the top, everybody else has their targets set on you. Even in our personal lives, we have a similar experience. You know, you, you went to school, you got your degree, you filled out your application after application, you wrote the best resume and cover letter, got 
the best references, gave the best answers in the interview. But once you found out you got the job, you then found out you actually had to do the job. And if you're like me, not only did you find out you had to do that job, but you also have to do stuff that ain't in your job description. You saved your money, you paid off all your debts, you budgeted, you you raised your credit score and you bought the house, but now you gotta keep the house clean. And you gotta maintain the wiring and the appliances in the house. The point I'm trying to make is we spend a lot of time focusing on reaching the goal. Lauren, there are books and conferences and podcasts and education and all these things that can teach you how to reach the goal, but there's very little about what to do once you get there. In chapter 7, Nehemiah realized that just because the wall has been rebuilt and the exiles are returning to Jerusalem does not mean that their work is complete. He realizes now that the wall is built, it's time to defend what they've worked so hard to build. Jabel told us that in chapter 3, the call was all hands on deck to help build the wall. Well, now the call here in chapter 7 is report for guard duty. And in these verses, we see three appointments for duty. Verse 1 says, when the wall had been rebuilt and I had the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. The first group of people to report for duty are those who will guard the city gates. These are those who are the front line of defense and the ones who are to alert the city of any incoming danger. And who is appointed for this duty? The gatekeepers, the singers, and Levites. What's interesting about this group of people is that these are people that normally serve at the temple. Basically, what he said was, Tykesha and Leah and Wayne go out there to the front gates and defend the people. Now, see, the gatekeepers here, this is the temple guard. These are the group of people who their job is protect the priests and everything in the temple. The singers and the Levites also served in this role with the gatekeepers. And so Nehemiah says, you all are uniquely equipped to guard the gates. Why? Because when you need to alert the city, you need to make noise. Who better to make noise than the people whose voices are trained in the art of sound? So just as they watched over the priests and the place where God meets with his people, they were now to watch over the city God gave to his people. This appointment shows an understanding that Israel itself, that all the people were to live their lives in worship and in service of God. It shows us that the people of God are the true temple of God. So Nehemiah says basically to the temple guard that I need y'all to stop guarding the temple 
and go guard the temple. And City of Refuge, that's why we are here. We are not here simply to build the biggest, newest, most happening church in Columbia. But we are here building a church that displays the glory of God in our community by serving. We are here as emissaries of the kingdom of God to impact and affect our community in such a way that it becomes a glimpse of what the fully consummated kingdom will look like. The first appointment is to answer outside threats. The second appointment is to deal with internal threats. Nehemiah says, then I put my brother Hananiah in charge of Jerusalem, along with Hananiah, commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. Nehemiah realizes that danger doesn't only come from outside, but it comes from inside. And so he points commanders that will take the lead in handling these internal threats. And who does he appoint? He appoints his brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the fortress commander. Nehemiah appoints people who are trustworthy and who fear God. He appoints people to leadership who have integrity. Nehemiah knows that these two men won't be bought off or bribed. He knows these two men won't exploit or sell out the people just so they can fatten their own pockets. Church, as we seek to serve our community, let's serve with integrity. Let's truly care for our neighbors. Let us not seek our own gain, but as Jay will always says, let us seek the shalom of all people for their sake. Let us show that we fear God by caring for those who bear his image. And Lord, let our church shine as a light in Eau Claire of what faithful and trustworthy leadership looks like. And so the final appointment is that of the people themselves. I said to them, Nehemiah talking to Hananiah and Hananiah, do not open the gates of Jerusalem until the sun is hot. And let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty. Station the citizens of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some at their homes. Nehemiah gives two instructions to Hananiah and Hananiah. First instruction is to not open the gates of the city until the sun is hot and the guards have reported for duty. Basically, he's saying, don't open the gates to the city until we have, one, enough light to see throughout the city. And secondly, don't open the gates until all guards have reported for duty throughout the city. Nehemiah is making sure that proper people are in proper places at proper times to provide proper protection. He's doing this so that if any threat arises within the city, that it can be dealt with swiftly. His second instruction is for them to appoint the citizens of Jerusalem to guard duty. Nehemiah, once again, is putting the care of the city as a responsibility of everyone in the city. The protection of the city falls on everyone who helped 
build it, which was everyone who lived there. You see, a lot of times people think that once they've reached their goals, they can just chill out now. That, look, I helped lay the bricks of the church. I don't, I don't need to be out there doing all that walking and prayer. Which, no, I don't need to do all that. But yes, you do. Because sometimes we think that we, just because we helped in the building process doesn't mean that there's any work left to do. This text is teaching us that it is incumbent on everyone to work together to protect that which we've built. So, before I take my final seat, I just have one question. Where is God calling you to report for duty? Is he calling you to use your musical gifts to lead his people in lifting up praises to him? Is he calling you to serve in training and teaching the faith to children? Is he calling you to serve possibly on the sound team? Shout out to Justin. (laughs) Maybe he's calling you to serve in hospitality. Or are you like me and he's placed a fire in you to preach and teach his word? I can't answer that for you. You have to take this word, sit with it and meditate and seek the Lord on that. But I want to encourage each of us to hear his call and report for duty. Amen. Before the praise team comes back up, I just want to pray for us really quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for bringing us together today to hear your word. Lord, I pray now that you would speak to each person under the sound of my voice and show them how it is you are calling them to report for duty. Father, I pray that you would train us up to be the salt and light in this community. And Father, I pray that as we seek to build that which is an image of your kingdom, that you would grow this church daily as you would have it to be. Lord, use us to shine your light. Use us to tell some dying soul about a risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.